Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Good morning, everybody. I woke up, well, I went to bed last night really kind of upset and depressed and woke up feeling crappy. And I didn't want to work out. I didn't want to. I knew, though, that if I put on my my Christian music playlist and I got out in the woods and ran, that I'd feel better. But I just didn't want to. And I did it anyways. And gosh, was I right. It felt amazing. I got out in the woods, got my blood pumping. And God was Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. How was your week? I hope it was good. Mine was fine. It feels like Mercury Retrograde happened a little late for me. So I'm, while I'm grateful that um, things are really uh, happening, it's all happening, as Sheena Shea once said, great philosopher. For me on the back end, it's also causing a lot of time-consuming things to happen. So, um, you know, I was really bragging, I think even on this podcast, about how I had beat retrograde and I made it my bitch. And now the, the turns have tabled. They really have. So anyway, um, with that being said, I have a couple of announcements. First of all, um, good friends of the pod, Donnie and Chelsea a.k.a. Ono oh Bravo. Donnie hosts a podcast called uh, Know That Pod. They have a podcast together called I Am The Cute One. And it's um, a look back in time at like Mary-Kate and Ashley, the way we met them and the way they were. So I was lucky enough to be on the podcast. We talked about an episode of one of their uh, specials. It was all about a costume party. And it was just such a great, fun conversation so fun to like look back and and just see what we viewed as kids and now as a 35 year old um it's just you know a fun little romp 
And a reminder of how long ago that was for me. Good God. Um, so anyway, check that out. I am the cute one. Also, this week marks my two-year anniversary at everyone's business but mine. And I can't believe it. My little baby is now a toddler and she's learning to walk and we're working on potty training and all of those things. And I'm just like so grateful to you guys for... um being along on this journey with me, being exceedingly, most of you, (laughs) exceedingly kind um, and supportive. And I still, like you would think that after how many years in the game of podcasting I've been in, uh, not including everyone's business but mine, that I would get used to the fact that like people listen to me and the things that I say resonate with them, even on a base level but I don't I am always surprised and I'm always so like humbled and honored by you guys the fact that you take the time out of your life to listen to me and the fact that so many of you have taken the time even more time out of your lives to reach out to me and and talk to me is like just so super nice and all of the most most of the (laughs) reviews on Apple Podcasts are so kind so truly from the bottom of whatever is left of my heart. Thank you guys so much for joining me and I hope you continue. Bigger things are happening and I'm really excited about them. So yeah, I'm feeling, feeling good, feeling good. So with that, let's jump right into the chaos and negativity and what you're used to over here is me complaining. So we're going to start with our girl of the week. It's kind of a Kind of a double girl, if you will, but it's really like one and a half. So I'm going to start with the half, and that is Aaron Rodgers. If you guys don't know, Aaron is a, um, a Green Bay Packer. I think that's what they how they pronounce it. And he, it, that's football. And he is uh, married, no, excuse me, engaged to Clay Breft, Shailene Woodley of Big Little Lies, right? This is my, the breadth of my knowledge about Aaron Rodgers. Um, I know he has COVID. I know he looks a lot like, um, one of the husbands from 19 Kids and Counting. And that's really it. Uh, it appears as though he claimed to have been vaccinated or he kind of used some tricksy words by saying that he was immunized previously, but now it's coming out that the girl lied and now he's mad at us because um, apparently he tried to come to his, these medical professionals that I guess work for the NFL with his um, findings and whatever Joe Rogan told him. And they told him he was quack, which, you know, they weren't wrong. And uh, that escalated. And I guess now he's like crying about cancel culture. Sure. Okay. Not my problem. You hang in there, girlfriend. You take the horse medicine if you need to. I'm going to stay with my Moderna booster that I got a week and a half ago. And you know what? I just like, it's not that I'm... COVID needs to be an ongoing conversation because this is very much still a horrific thing that's happening to people. But also, Aaron Rodgers has more money than I could ever dream of. A breadth of knowledge. He has medical professionals who are tasked with working on his body specifically him, and they make good money doing it. And so he has all of the knowledge in the world, more at his fingertips than the average person, even more so than the average rich person, I would say, Um, because his body is his job. And so if he wants to be stupid, then that's on him. 
And if he D-words, he D-words, you know? Um, I'm going to shout out to Ray Sani, who said basically the whole thing of it, which is that Aaron Rodgers looks exactly like someone who was saying and doing exactly what he's saying and doing. And I think we should just move on from there. We should just move on from there. Um, The second one, and the most important, Chris Pratt. So I was like, okay, y'all know what it is, what time it is. I'm typically, I go on here and I rant. But the other side of that coin is that like, I go on about my day and like, you might see some tweets and like, usually I'm like, you know, living my life and not really letting this shit dwell on me. But there are two, there are several, but there are two people in particular that I'm going to talk about now that like actually get under my skin. And that is Chris Pratt. And I think it's a good time to talk about the, uh, the parallels between, uh, it is my belief that Chris Pratt is trying to be the Christian Ryan Reynolds. Let's talk about it. So Ryan Reynolds irks, and that is a scientific fact. I want to know, I want somebody like Ronan Farrow, if you have time to squeeze this in, I want to know about what the connection is, what the hold is that Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively have on the Huffington Post industrial complex. Every several weeks, there is a headline of like, you're not going to believe what rocky thing Ryan Reynolds said on Blake Lively's Instagram. He roasted her. Go check it out. And it's always just like, who? Leave us alone. You know, I don't need to be in y'all's relationship. I don't need to know that y'all had some like fucked up racist plantation wedding. I don't need to know how you guys roast each other, like and rib each other. And like, Oh, the silly little Valentine's gift that, that Ryan Reynolds got Blake. Check it out. Like, I don't care. And I know that I can't click, don't have to click on those. And I don't, but the headline is enough. It's violence. And I don't like it. Okay. I don't need to, your relationship, your marriage shouldn't be like a marketing tool for yourself. I don't get it. I don't get it. And I just, I don't like Ryan Reynolds. I think he is not of this earth. And I believe the same of Chris Pratt. So with that being said, Chris Pratt, unfortunately took to Instagram a few days ago. And like, I don't really pay attention to Chris because I thought you guys, and this is a conversation that we can have all together right now. I thought we had decided that we weren't going to pay attention to him anymore and that he was like lost. He was in the land of the lost. He was on our prayer list, the sick and shut in. Like, I don't, I thought we just decided to just like, like go with God, like for real. Um, but I see him trending and I'm like, Ooh, ducking and dodging. I'm seeing a lot of screenshots of the same one over and over. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't want to look at this. I don't understand why people are upset. I thought we all decided not to pay attention to him. But then I see Anna Ferris start trending and then I see stuff about her kid and this, I was like, okay, now I have to go and see. And I just like, wow, <laughs> like, wow. Okay. So, um, the picture is, of if you guys didn't know, he's married to Catherine Schwarzenegger, daughter of Arnold and Maria Shriver. He got married and, and they had a baby very quickly after his divorce from Anna Ferris, which seems to you guys can check out shout out to the beyond the blinds podcast they just did an episode about him seems to point to a lot of infidelity a lot of weird and wild stuff happening within his church with um uh sex trafficking and things like that again i'm gonna defer them defer you guys to them you can check it out um so he's in this thing now all of a sudden he's this conservative christian 
guns, God, and glory type dude. And this came out of nowhere because I, you know, Andy, Parks and Rec, I mean, maybe Chris Pratt is the greatest actor in the world because I'm not seeing the, the, the through line on that one. Anyway, so in this picture, it's Catherine and Chris, and she's doing what I call a Duggar stare. Now, all of you counting on heads will know what I mean is that when on the 19 kids accounting and counting on when they would do their talking heads, like the couples, every time the man spoke, every time they asked a question, most of the time the man would answer. And the woman, the wife, the girlfriend, whatever, would always look at their partner with this like adoring, you hang the moon, dopey smile on their face. Just like nobody in this world exists except for my husband, and we all know why, right? Because, it, and it's, it's just weird. So she's doing a Duggar stare at Chris. And the caption is as follows. Guys, for real, look how she's looking at me. I mean, find somebody who looks at you like that. Two exclamation points. That's my trademark, and I'm going to sue him for that. Anyway, you know, we met in church. She's given me an amazing life, a gorgeous, healthy daughter. She chews so loudly that sometimes I put earbuds in to drown it out. But that's love. She helps me with everything, and in return, periodically, I open a jar of pickles. That's the trade. Her heart is pure, and it belongs to me. My greatest treasure right next to my Ken Griffey Jr. Upper Deck Rookie Card. Which, if you know, you know is saying a lot. It's her birthday in about six weeks, so if I don't get her anything, I'll tell her to look back on this post. Love you, honey. Two heart, two red heart emojis. Blech puke vomit it it is just dripping in like yuck (laughs) it is so that like weirdo christian social media influencer vibe of like we're making light of the fact that we have a completely misogynistic uh relationship and like is it true or is it not wink wink i i hate it and it makes me disgusted but then let's just go back to uh, about halfway in this caption when he says that she's given me an amazing life and a gorgeous healthy daughter now this is where Anna Ferris starts trending because if you guys don't know and you probably wouldn't because Chris seems to completely uh, erase the part of his life that didn't happen or that happened before Catherine but um, Anna and uh, Chris have a child named Jack, a son who has had a series, a litany of surgeries and health issues, vision problems, problems walking, I believe problems with his heart, just like a lot of things. So when you say to your new wife, I, she gave me a gorgeous, healthy daughter. Yuck. How fucking sick are you? Like, ew. Ew, David. What is wrong with him? That's gross. That's so gross. It's so pointed. It's so like, there's not a word. There's not a word. There's not a word. People rightfully roasted the fuck out of him from the moment it came out until uh, probably still now. And thank you guys for that because I just like, he's so unwell. And then the next day he hops on Instagram stories talking like he, first of all, he's wearing a zip 
zip up uh hoodie with like it's supposed to be like a weathered version of the american flag on it <laughs> and a hat that has another different but also weathered version of the american flag decal like stuck on it like oh god <laughs> just i don't what is wrong with him i want both of them shipped anywhere else but in my consciousness i i hate it i uh, i i absolutely hate it okay so uh, it's really really sad you guys really really sad uh, the tragedy that happened at Astroworld, uh, Travis Scott's uh, concert in Houston that he held, holds usually every year. Um, it's reported that eight people have passed away and that so many more scores of people have were injured. There were um, issues with people, I guess, breaking down barriers, you know, excessive crowds, um, crushing people, stampedes, people getting stepped on. Just, like, horrific, horrific stuff. If you have not seen any of the videos, I would not recommend it. Uh, every video is just, like, more horrific and graphic than the next. Of Just so many people that unfortunately passed away. Um, it's just just a, an awful, awful situation. And I... A good portion of me really feels for Travis because I watched his documentary on Netflix... I know that's a wild sentence to say, but bear with me. In this documentary, is mostly about Asher World, his love of Houston, his love of uh, his community, and how he wanted to bring something to the city and have it be like this special thing. So in that sense, I really feel like, I mean, clearly he did not want this to happen. Nobody would want something like this to happen. It's probably going to ruin his career honestly and I mean not that that is a hundredth of as important as even one life that was lost but like you know nobody wants this and, and I feel bad for them because this was such a personal thing for him and that's sad but the rollout of information the vi other videos that we're seeing it just is <laughs> It makes the situation, like, even worse than it needs to be. It's it's really hard. I'm really disappointed in Kris Jenner. Because I think, you know, I will be the first person most of the time to say when situations happen within the Kardashian and Jenner universe, there's always, we're always pointing at the finger at whoever, you know. When a situation happens to a boyfriend or a husband in this family we immediately start pointing the finger at the girlfriend or wife, right? You know, that's true. And I will be oftentimes the first person to say that that is not necessary. And I, in some ways, I still agree with that in regard to this situation. However, it seems very clear that like they're pushing, pushing, pushing to separate Travis and Kylie from the situation. And I just think it's weird and I don't like it. I posted on Instagram and I'm wondering if maybe I should delete it. I don't know. I don't know. Um, a, a, an article from TMZ about there being officials doing conferences afterwards saying that one of the security guards said that he got pricked and that the medical people on hand found 
that he had passed out. They recovered him with Narcan. They saw the prick on his neck where it seemed like it was an injection site. There really hasn't been much of a story after that. So that whole thing is very weird. But just like the litany of articles, particularly about Kylie, my thing is like, if we should not always associate them, the girls, the women with their partners, but also the articles that are coming out are associating, not only associating Kylie with this and Kendall to some degree as well, because she was also there and Stormy. Um, it's also like trying to do this PR push that I don't even think was necessary. Like I, I, and it makes them look worse to like the first people article, like people have been screenshotting the hell out of people magazine because they've been changing headlines left and right. Like there was one article where the first one said that, you know, pregnant Kylie Jenner is safe. And it's like, yeah, but what about the people that weren't? What about the thousands of people that weren't safe? Clearly she's fine. And the way it was written just felt very, like somebody said, it just feels very Marie Antoinette. Like, oh, at least our princess is safe. And it just felt very tone deaf and weird. And um, there have been a lot of articles that are like how upset and devastated Travis has been and how he's been crying the whole time and and all of that. And it just seems, it just feels very out of touch, very insensitive, very just like, I, I don't know. I don't get it. Um, people have been rightfully getting into Kylie um, for her Instagram story where she had posted just like a, a, a panning of the crowd, but in the middle of the crowd, you can see an ambulance, um, trying to help people. There are videos of Travis who is, he's got this like kind of elevated platform that moves throughout the crowd. And there are a couple videos of him, um, like people are panning over the people who are in distress and dying. And then it pans over to Travis who, while he is on this platform, it doesn't really seem like he's that far away from the situation. And it seems like really hard to believe that he could not have seen that. There are videos where he does see things happening, even though there have been a lot of articles about how they didn't know Kylie and Travis didn't know about the deaths until after the fact. And there are videos of, of Travis saying like, Hey, can you help this person? And again, like surely he, he wasn't assuming that this person was dying, but you know, it just, it just seems like there's evidence of knowledge that people knew, security knew, uh, members of production knew. There's a viral video of two people trying to get on the stage and stop it. And they're screaming. There's people that are dying and nobody's doing anything. There's a cameraman in the corner who's like shooing them away. Like he can't be bothered because he's just trying to do his job. And it just is a really bad look, a really, really bad look. Um, uh, it seems, gosh, it just seems like even, even if nobody died, the video of Kylie on Instagram where the ambulance is there, still a bad look. You know, it seems like they would still be like, yeah, it's not really a good look. We don't really want to send that message. But like knowing that so many people died and that those Instagram stories were kept up for quite some time after. Um, yeah, it just seems it, it's it's just a tragic situation. And I just I there's 
I mean, if if the, if I can see any information about the victims, I'll try to post it on my uh, the episode description. I think Travis has refunded all the uh, tickets buyers to Asher World, um, and the the lawsuits are already starting. And you know, it's 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 no surprise. I mean, it seems like it just was really poorly planned. It seems like a lot of safety precautions went out the window. And yeah, I mean, what else can you say other than it's just really fucking sad. So support to all the families of the victims and all of that. And um, let's move on to something a lot more frivolous because I don't want to end on like the most depressing note ever. Um, I I talked a little bit about sister wise and, and the the shocking divorce announcement on my patreon you can find that uh you can find my patreon at patreon.com slash ebbm podcast i should i should say that i just spoke about it briefly in, in addition to another episode so you know if you're going specifically for that don't <laughs> but also like sign up for the patreon there's a lot of good stuff on there you can find um i did a whole series on Lindsay lohan's oprah documentary i did the whole bethany ever after bethany getting married series um i have done stuff about like what the hell is going on with jessica seinfeld uh the ashley simpson show all a, a whole bunch of things that you can find with it being said um wow what what a time <laughs> what a time to be alive where christine probably other than Robin, the woman that I thought would surely stay more than the other two, all the four wives is, has announced that after 25 years, she and Cody are breaking up. Cody has, is his announcement that was basically just like, this was Christine's decision to leave. And so that was very pointed because we all know all the, you guys that watch this arrives heads will know that if, you know, as sure as the sun rises, Cody Brown is never going to take accountability (laughs) for one thing. In his relationships, not ever going to happen. So that was wild. Obviously, a lot of the like the main question that came out of this is, why not marry? And here's why not marry. Why not marry? Because Mary is as out of this family as she could possibly be. She has maybe like the very like half a cuticle on her pinky toe in the Brown family pool, if you will. I, there's no reason for her to leave any more than she already has. (laughs) So (laughs) you might as well just stay on the show. If she can stomach being on this television year after year, pretending like she has a shot in hell of getting back to get back, get back together with Cody, who makes it abundantly clear without just outright saying it, that he does not have any attraction or desire to even have a conversation with Mary, much less get back together with her. There's no point. There's no point. What I thought was so funny was clearly, you know, when you find out situations like this happen, you're going to the social media of of the people in in the universe and seeing what they say. And so clearly people have been wanting to know what Mary of all people thinks of this whole situation. Um, Mary is not telling us shit, but what she is, what she does, what she has done <laughs> since this announcement was do this absolutely, what I would refer to as deranged post in ode to none other than Deanne, 
and Mark of LuLaRoe, a.k.a. the absolute two villains of the LuLaRich Amazon Prime documentary. I could not believe that she's, like, posting selfies of them, very heavily photoshopped, and she is just laying it on so thick of her love of Mark and Deanne. I'll just give you a little bit of a snippet. So two weeks ago, I was in Florida for a LuLaRoe leadership training. I had the privilege of rubbing shoulders with these two amazing humans, feeling their spirit and seeing at firsthand the love and compassion they have for their family of retailers. Deanne LuLaRoe and her husband, Mark, are literally a couple of the most giving people I know. They want success for me and my business for me, not for them. The reason they got into this business was to help others. That was their point then, and that is their purpose now. To know these people, to really know their hearts, is to love them. <laughs> Baby. <laughs> Read the room, sis. What are you talking about? Mary. <laughs> what a treat. What an absolute treat. How, so many hashtags. LuLaRoe t- retailer, LuLaRoe for life, LuLaRoe proud, Flagstaff fashion, as if that is a thing. Okay. Okay, Mary. Oh, what a... What an ab- and for those of you who might be wondering... Fuck yes, I will be recapping the entire season of Sister Wives. Guaranteed. It's going to be so good. going to be so good. Okay. Um, let's move on. Ugh, I don't want to talk about Ramona. Y'all can figure it out. Ramona. Never mind. I... I... <laughs> I can't. Let's let's end this on a high note. And just something another thing that I found very funny. I don't it appears as though somebody has taken over somebody has gotten a new job over at page six in their social media because their captions, some of them are just so fucking funny to me. I I, I can't even deal with it. There was a caption the other day that really got my eye about uh Cody Simpson and him showing off his bulge on Instagram and it was just like <laughs> Let me let me find it because it was truly it tickled me and it was just so like aggressively horny for page six and particularly an article about Cody Simpson. Do you guys even remember who Cody Simpson is? I like barely do. Okay, so the co- the the headline is Cody Simpson delights fans with unintentionally X-rated pic. So <laughs> goes on to say. Cody Simpson has something big going on down under. (laughs) The Aussie singer, he's only 24, good God, gave fans a thrill over the weekend when he shared a couple of photos on Instagram that showed a bulge in his pants as massive as the Outback. (laughs) I know it's big. (laughs) One fan wrote next to the pic. (laughs) Why would you write this? (laughs) Anyway. Anyway, um, so... This really tickled me. Exclusive. People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive for 2021 is, of course, my husband, Chris Evans. Insiders tell us that the Knives Out hunk was originally slated to grace the coveted cover last year, but the mag changed course after he accidentally uploaded a picture of his penis online. (laughs) Again, did we have to say that part? I mean, thank you. It's very funny, but my God, my God. Um... Gosh, what a time. Is it, has it only been a year since since Chris Evans released that dick pic? And, and where have we been? What has happened since then? All the things. Anyway, 
<laughs> With that being said, the rest of the episode is obviously a recap of ju the just like incredible, mind blowing arrest episode over here over there at uh, Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. So enjoy that, you guys. If you haven't um, given me a five star review on Apple Podcasts, I would greatly appreciate that. And yeah. Check in with you guys later. Bye. Homeland Security. We're looking for Jen Shaw. She just left. Can you just say if my husband were what? You're dying. so long. I'm Wait, that's police. We're good. We have a police here? What did you do, Heather? I don't know what the popo are here. Why are the police NYPD. What vehicle? How many minutes? What vehicle about? did she leave? Is that the vehicle she driving? Is it truck? Truck? What color? Wow, they have like SWAT team and stuff. What the heck? Oh. Okay. Is this a prank? Wait, what the f is going on? Where did she leave? No, Wait, I'm freaking out. She's with her husband, you said? Wait, Jen? If they were asking about Jen. Holy sh! what the f is going on? Welcome to Jen Shah's arrest. Your every indictment will be fulfilled. Your wish is a federal agent's demand and they're here to please us, baby. Woo! Do it like it's FBI. Do it like it's HSI. Do it like it's NYPD. I, I'm so excited. Uh, this was such a great episode. I'm just going to say, and I'm going to stand in this full, fully in my truth, this was maybe like the best suspense horror movie that I've ever seen in my life. The foreshadowing, the conversations, this, the editors of this episode in particular need an Emmy, like a Lifetime Achievement Award. This is some of the best television, not even reality television, television I've ever seen in my life. And I loved it. I, everybody delivered everybody understood the assignment except for the you know Jen but um you know she'll learn about that later so let's just talk about it because there's not really any moment of this episode that is not worth talking about not a single part so we're gonna have some get ready y'all get comfortable and get ready let's talk about this so Start off the episode in typical Housewives fashion. You know, easy breezy. Jen's playing basketball with her uh, son and breaks a nail trying to shoot some hoops. Whitney and Justin are discussing possibly moving the stripper pole back from the living room to their bedroom. And then Justin shows us his moves. And I get it. This is a moment where, I mean, there have been several moments where I understood why Whitney and Justin are together, but this really cemented it for me is that Justin's a bad bitch. Like, I could not get on the pole and do what he did, and he did it very well. So I get it. I absolutely get it. Mary comes out of her many, one of her many closets wearing a blue Gucci monogram beret and almost Lenny Kravitz territory sized oversized silver blue scarf that to reiterate, she's just wearing inside um, a white blouse with like a 3D flower leaf print situation hanging off of it and a pair of bell bottoms with patchwork dark denim pockets. And she looks at herself in the mirror and says, this is good for a phone call. <laughs> 
So she's calling all the ladies to invite them to her Italian night. They're going to be learning how to cook traditional Italian meals. And she's also issued a dress code, which is Italian streetwear. Mary says in a confessional that she really likes to dictate the outfits because most of the time she has no clue what the rest of the ladies are wearing. And she says, for some reason, they think they're bringing it and they're not. Not for me. (laughs) She tries calling Whitney. There's no answer. We find out that she's not inviting Jenny because of how Jenny spoke to her at tubing. And let's just put this now as the marker of the last time that Mary makes any sort of sense and is not hysterically weird. Okay. (laughs) Enjoy it. Enjoy that moment. Cause it's not going to happen for a long time. I think, um, speaking of Jenny, she decides to go over to Meredith's and they're doing Manny petties and Meredith invites her to Vale. Meredith is having Heather invite Jen. So now Heather is like the co-host of this Vale trip. She's tasked with inviting Jen because Meredith and Jen have not spoken since tubing. And also because since that tubing situation, she's been in close contact with the Homeland Security. And they told her to, you know, just lay low and keep your distance (laughs) because... something's coming down the pike for your girl. So Jenny's mad at Mary and Meredith says that Mary isn't really all that trusting. And when there's confusion in her mind, it goes all over the place. And that was just some beautiful, beautiful foreshadowing. Now I don't really understand this Jenny and Mary thing, because in my recollection, Mary was getting into it with somebody else. Jenny told her to shut the fuck up. And then Jenny told her that nobody could tell her what to do. (laughs) So like really Jenny inserted herself into whatever Mary was doing and then told her not to meddle in the business that wasn't Jenny's to mind in the first place. So I'm kind of with Mary on this one. Um, I don't understand. Like I, I get that Jenny saying, you know, I was having a rough day. It was the anniversary of my daughter's passing the stillbirth. I get that, but it's also like, you know, we have to have some levity for the fact that nobody knew that. One. Two, Jenny inserted herself into somebody else's problems and then got mad at them, which is unfair. <laughs> and I guess that's really it. That That's really all we can talk about. Um, so then we find ourselves with Heather and she's meeting up with her daughter, the one that's going to college, who... <laughs> Shout out to, I think it was Brendan from Come Through Queen who said that that Heather's just borrowing Shannon Bedore's daughters (laughs) to film scenes with. Um, But they go to lunch with Heather's niece and her niece's husband. So her niece's name is Courtney and she has recently defected. She and her husband have recently defected from the Mormon church. So Heather sets this up as like Courtney was my daughter my sister's like middle child she was a perfect mormon girl never did anything wrong went to byu you know did that traditional mormon lifestyle and honestly they have this like really interesting conversation i thought about how courtney came to the decision that she was going to leave the church she said she got married to her husband and her husband would raise some um you know flags he said that there were some red flags raised with him about the church and mostly their relationship with social issues out there in the world race um 
Black Lives Matter, uh, gay rights, things like that. So he starts asking it to Courtney and Courtney's like not really trying to hear it because she's heavily indoctrinated in the church. And she said, when he's bringing up these topics of like, why isn't the church, why did it take so long to the, for the church to let black pastors, you know, but let black people be heads of church? Why did it take so long for them to, you know, change their rights on, you know, with regard to the LGBT community? And she said at first she was fully trusting in the church and said that they'll get to it in time but then she says the pandemic happened. They had all this time to really talk. And she started to realize what he was saying, which is that ultimately it shouldn't be up to the church to um, come, you know, like to take their time with these things. It should be that they should be leaders in the community and they should be leading these sorts of changes. And then the conversation shifts to the superiority that a lot of Mormons feel being so in the church. And Heather tells this anecdote about how one of her sisters got married outside of the church to a non-Mormon guy and how she wanted, she was going to be a bridesmaid and all the bridesmaids were to wear these spaghetti strap dresses. The spaghetti straps were not going to align with, you know, the temple, the Mormon, you know, uh, purity garments that they wear so she caused this whole fit and they ended up having to make a bolero jacket but what heather really took from it at the time was that like she felt this superiority to like demand that they change things for her and that like she felt like this hot bitch she was like oh look at me the pure mormon lady in line with all these other women whores if you will and then she tells a story about how she's like honestly i was so into it that i don't i think i was probably so mad at my sister that i didn't even give her a wedding gift and if i did it was probably a picture of the temple and with like hope you come back to it one day like just like really shitty stuff about and then they had conversations about how, like, once they left the church, how freeing it was. And Heather's daughter slash Shannon's daughter was saying how um, she really came to her mind. She made up her mind about religion when her mom started sharing her testimony about how hard it was to come out, how she wanted to be and do all these things. And she wasn't able to do it. And she's like, once I started not going to church, it felt so freeing. And all of them basically said that they felt so much more free and more themselves outside of the church. And then she thanks her cousin for leaving or just says, like, I, I feel better because I know that I have family members that are now feeling the same way that I do. And I don't, we don't feel like outcasts or black sheep. At one point they decide to cheers to the quote outer darkness. And in a confessional, Heather gives us the ranking of the four types of heaven that you can get to as a Mormon. So the first one is celestial. That is for, you know, the top cream of the crop, uh, Mormons, your Joseph Smiths, other exceptional people, etc. Then you get the second level, the terrestrial level for people who are, you know, trying but are not quite valiant in their efforts um, of pure Mormonism like Lisa Barlow. And it was in this moment that I'm like, damn, Heather's just like low key shade has really ratcheted up a notch and I'm here for it. She was very smooth with that, and I appreciated that. I really did. Um, then we have the third level, which is the telestial level for your awful people, your Jeffrey Dahmers, if you will. And then you have the fourth level, which is where Heather is in. <laughs> 
under Jeffrey Dahmer, which is the outer darkness, which are for people who were in the church, involved the church, make made all the covenants, and then chose to walk away. So, she says, if I wanted to even get into that third tier, I would have to, like, defer to Jeffrey Dahmer. That's how bad it is for me. <laughs> so, then... Scene, one of the greatest scenes of how, in Housewives history, I'm going down and saying this without a doubt, Jen and Stu Chains going snowshoeing. Now, they have a conversation that feels so much like they knew what was about to happen. They knew that their days as a, a co-conspirators or, or excuse me, friends were numbered and they went out to have this conversation. It was like, like Godfather-esque, like Scorsese could not write a better script than this. Like it was just, just like two, like the mafia boss and her second in command having this conversation, knowing that the walls are closing in on them. So they go out snowshoeing probably because... (laughs) They know that there are probably no bugs out there to monitor what they're communicating about. And Jen starts off by saying that she, or that her uh, therapist had told her to spend more quality time and make more new memories with the people that she loves and cares about. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So, Stuart... Talks, Jen starts to talk to Stuart about, like, they're talking about their kids. And Jen starts off by saying, like, I kind of envy the conversation or the, the relationship that you have with your kids because I spent so many years sacrificing that time with my own children for the job and for the employees and to make sure that we were okay, like, I was okay, but also making sure that all my employees have a, a better future for themselves. So in a confessional, Jen starts talking about how she's making a concerted effort to spend more time with Omar, her second son. And now it's to the point where their relationship is getting better, that Omar is not going to coach Shaw for everything. He's actually going to her first. And she's really happy and seeing like the results of of spending more time with him. So then Jen (laughs) tells Stuart that she appreciates the fact that he stuck with her through the good times and the bad times and says that I want you to know that some of the fa- sacrifices that made that I made were to take care of you, Stuart. And that just feels very like, um, Stuart, when you get on that witness stand, remember all the things that I've done for you. 
Stuart's like, absolutely. I'll never forget it. I appreciate it so much. And it's just like, God, <laughs> the next day they both woke, woke up with horse heads in their bed. And that's all she wrote. <laughs> like Jesus, um, back in a confessional, Jen says that Stuart was more to her than a business partner. We know. And that he's been with her through the lowest moments and that she feels like Stuart has this sort of intangible qualities that you can't teach somebody, which is probably good because you don't want the sort of teachings that you had been teaching him on paper. Like it's enough. The evidence is enough. So they have this, you know, we're best friends, Bonnie and Clyde side, the conversation and, then they're like, okay, let's go back and let's, I'm going to race you back to the car. And Stuart's like, okay, I'm going to give you a five second head start, which honestly was like really good training for what happened down to the beauty lab and laser parking lot. Don't you think? Anyway, um, Mary gets to the restaurant or the culinary center right next to a Pappy's pawn shop, which really tickled me for some reason. She's setting up to the party. She walks in there. Now, we're supposed to go in Italian streetwear. So what I saw her wearing was a uh, kind of rainbow ombre Louis Vuitton uh, scarf over her shoulders, a blazer, some jeans, and a wig. The wig is what upset me. Now, here's the thing. I, I know what I see out of this wig. Like, I, I've been through enough wig maintenance to know what I'm looking at. What we're looking at with uh, Mary's wig is that she clearly had like combed it, washed it, <laughs> air dried it. But then you have to like do things to the wig after. So it doesn't just look like an air dried situation. So, you know, it had the, it had the wave pattern of like, I just washed and clean this, but like, this is only the, there are like three more steps left. She didn't air dry she didn't blow dry it or, or curl it. You know, we didn't have to get into it because <laughs> the wig was not the biggest mess out of Mary by a long shot <laughs> that day. So the first thing that Mary does is she starts to re rearrange the table. And in a confessional, Mary starts talking about how she always wants things done right. And we get a flashback of her like Met Gala luncheon event from last season where she asked the people who were setting up the table if they knew how to read. Because the name cards were upside down. <laughs> Just, wow. So, Stuart drops Jen off in a Vespa. And she's got the Italian flag draped around her. She's wearing a red beret and these, like, red glasses that kind of look like Doug Funny's sister met Snooky. Really. that That's really what she was giving. So, Meredith shows up next, and she says that she's feeling awkward because she has not seen Mary since before this Fresh Wolf event, which Cameron, the guy that we find out, where we found out last week, died. 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 Um, Cameron confronted Meredith at that Fresh Wolf event about all of these, like, cryptic and weird things with Mary and just watch your back, be careful. So... Meredith is like, I don't know what that conversation was, but I know it was weird. And I'm feeling very weird about being around Mary now. The Meredith, Meredith, Mary tells Jen and Meredith that Whitney didn't answer her phone when she called to invite her to the party. So therefore, um, Whitney's coming with a different outfit, a different dress code. So Meredith says, 
what does this have to do with Whitney not answering your phone call? <laughs> Mary says, well, I called her and she didn't pick up. So I just sent her a pretend invitation with the instruction to wear a completely different attire. In a confessional, Mary very plainly says, hey, she didn't call me back. So yeah, you need a punishment for that. Show respect. At first, I thought she was going to come. I was going to tell her to come in a monkey costume, but I thought that would be mean. <laughs> so at, right after this, Heather and Whitney decide to drive together to this luncheon. Whitney walks out of her house and she is probably my favorite dressed out of all the women. Just perfect glam Italiano, if you will. So <laughs> Whitney tells Heather, I didn't even know that there was a dress code until about three o'clock. And she shows Heather the invitation where there are clearly pictures <laughs> that Mary had taken from like, you know, she had Googled slutty mafia costume and just like stole those pictures from Spirit Halloween. And Heather's like, oh, well, that's very different from my invitation. And she pulls out her phone where it's got two pictures of just like very comfy, cozy, Italian looking women just out there on the street looking very chic, right? So in a confessional, Whitney says, my invitation had these chicks with like bras and thongs and slutty mafia costumes. And like, technically I could whip that up because I have all that stuff, but that's just a little too much for a Saturday afternoon. Like even for me. <laughs> so when they walk in, Mary... T gets eyes on Whitney and immediately makes a beeline for her and says, uh, what happened to your costume? It's supposed to be a joke, Whitney, and you clearly skipped over it. So now <laughs> Mary is mad that Whitney realized that she was being pranked and did not go along with it anyway. W w Mary. <laughs> this is unreasonable. Like, she was acting like, even if you found out, Whitney, that this was a joke, you should have just done it anyway, because that's what I told you to do. And now you're skipping it. You're skipping it. <laughs> Mary is so weird. <laughs> She's so weird. She's so weird. Um, the Mary starts talking. She starts fussing about how Whitney never called her or texted her back. And Whitney was like, I, I was in a carpool. More on that later. So then Mary tells all the ladies that she got them apron, aprons with chef hats and their names on it in Italian. And in a confessional, Heather is like, oh, Mary gives the best gifts. Like, imagine the best possible gift that you could get somebody. Add two zeros on the end and that's what you're getting from Mary. So <laughs> Mary comes out with all these Louis Vuitton bags and all the women are like, oh, my God, we're about to get Louis Vuitton aprons. But then they pull out these very basic aprons with their names and, and the chef hats with their names on it. And these uh, like tea towels with their names on it in Italian, which is why Heather got Erica because that's a Italian translation of Heather. Um, they're just very basic. They're clearly not Louis Vuitton. So in a confessional, the producer is like, Oh, why didn't you get them Louis Vuitton stuff? If it came in the Louis Vuitton bags. And she's like, why would I get them that Louis Vuitton aprons? They don't even know how to cook. I'm like, well, I don't know. <laughs> um, why did you get them Louis Vuitton AirPods last year? I, I mean, <laughs> if we're asking questions, let's ask questions. Jenny was not there. So we had to watch some scene of her making yogurt with her kids. Don't care. Moving on. Um, the ladies get a lesson on how to make pasta. And when they sit down, 
They assume that Mary's going to bless the food, but then Mary's like, no, Heather, I want you to bless the food. So Mary, or Heather does this whole prayer. And when she's done, (laughs) Mary says, well, you didn't bless the hands that made the food. So she makes everybody hold hands again and finish the prayer properly. (laughs) Weird. She's so weird. Um, Mary starts talking about wanting all the ladies to come uh, you know, with an Italian version of their name. And Whitney's like, oh, yeah, I'm actually going to stop you there. And she starts to explain how there's no translation of Whitney in Italian. And then Mary stops her and says something about how Whitney didn't answer her phone call. So Whitney's like, again, I was in a carpool. And in a confessional, Mary's like, I'm just trying to understand if Whitney was doing carpool for 24 hours because she never called me back ever. So then, then Jen, who's feeling some type of way about Lisa right now, she asked Lisa about the Fresh Wolf event. So let's go back to that moment. Last week, Lisa had an event for Fresh Wolf in conjunction with uh, Foster Care of Utah and only invited a couple of the ladies. Now, this is confusing because... We started out the season with Lisa and Jen having a pretty close friendship. And so when Jen finds out that... So then there's a a situation where Jen goes to hang out with Lisa. And Lisa tells her, oh, Jen, there was... You had drama with this guy who did a dress for you. And they keep... uh, uh, Whatever. Not blurring out. (laughs) Bleeping out his name. Um, Lisa tells Jen that she saw that this guy that Jen has beef with got some of Whitney's Iris and Bow beauty products and posted about it saying, oh, thank you, Whitney, on his Instagram stories. So Lisa tells Jen, hey, this guy that you're not fucking with, don't you think it's weird that Whitney gifted him all this stuff? Come to find out a few days later that Whitney gets invited to this Fresh Wolf event, but not Jen. So Jen is clearly very confused. And this is probably the first time I was 100% on Jen's side. It does not make any sense. I don't understand if Lisa is trying to be a villain. If she... I, I don't know. It just seems like she does these things underhanded. And then flips the fuck out when people ca- catch her. So I don't know. <laughs> and also she's dressed like Can- Carmen San Diego, So, you know. It's it's really telling a story of how she's trying to not get caught and constantly get evaded. And then, you know, here, here we are here. Um, so Jen asked Lisa about the Fresh Wolf event. And Whitney's like, oh, yeah, about that. I'm so sorry I couldn't make it because I wasn't feeling well. And Mary's like, well, I'm never invited to anything. And, you know, I guess that's just how it is. I've gotten used to it. And Jen says to Mary, oh, don't worry about it because I wasn't invited either. It's okay. So Lisa's like, well, you know, there are going to be lots of events in the future. And this is about my kids and about me being a mother. <laughs> and Mary turns to Lisa and says, wait, are you hurt? And Jen says, well, I was hurt. And so Lisa says the Jack put together the guest list <laughs> in a confessional. This is the best of Heather. This is when I love her the most. Heather says, I just kind of think it's funny that Lisa's using Jack and Henry as an excuse. And then says, what did Jen do to Jack and Henry to get off the guest list? But what did Whitney do to get on it? (laughs) 
Jen says that she's just kind of confused because like a week ago, Lisa brought up the fact that Whitney had gifted her former dress designer with the, her product and how she thought it was kind of underhanded. So Whitney's like, hold up. She breaks it all down and tells what actually happened. So she says, this guy reached out to her team to do some sort of collaboration. And Whitney was like, absolutely not, not going to do it. I have the screenshots of what he did to Jen and I just don't want to be involved. But <laughs> if he wants to buy some of my product and do some promo for it, absolutely. But we're not going to be doing anything in the future. So Jen thanks Whitney for the clarification and Whitney comes back at Lisa and asks her, why would you even plant that seed? Like, it just seems very intentional that you would tell Jen that. And Lisa's like, uh, no, I was just trying to check in with Jen about it. And I wasn't trying to stir anything up. So in a confessional, Whitney says that this whole thing is just about Lisa wanting to cast doubt to Jen about uh, her friendship with Whitney. Because for whatever reason, Jen wants to be, or excuse me, Lisa wants to be Jen's number one friend. So Mary tries to help Lisa out and say, you know, not everybody gets excuse me, Meredith tries to help Lisa out and say that not everybody gets invited to everything and that's okay. But Jen was like, no, I'm just confused because she was basically saying that Whitney's not a good friend to me. And then she turns around and invites Whitney to something and that's, and not me. And that's all I'm saying. So Lisa says the invitation to Whitney was actually an attempt to extend an olive branch to her, but Heather calls BS on that immediately. And then Lisa gets mad at Heather and is like, I just feel like this group specifically, like Heather won't be happy for me until I just choke on my pasta and die. <laughs> Lisa starts to go completely caged animal and starts talking about like, she's not going to defend her kid's choice to invite whoever they wanted. And I love my children and how this event was not about anybody except for her children Lisa finally says to Jen, I know that it hurt you and I'm really sorry. So we were able to squash that. So Mary decides that this is, would be the time to do a very shady toast to salute, excuse me, a salute rather to listening and accepting and, so that all this tit tat can be gone. <laughs> the ladies start talking about the veil trip and how Jenny's going to be there and how it might be an issue with Mary and Jenny. Mary's like, I'm not really tripping on her. And in a confessional, Mary says, I just don't really like Jen because I feel like she's a gossiper and she's kind of like Lisa. And I just don't really need two Lisa Barlow's in my life. <laughs> so Mary then turns to Jen because Jen starts talking like, oh, you know, I think that you and Jenny are actually going to be fine. So Mary's like, oh, you know, talk to me more about that. But then Whitney chimes in and says that she tries to like speak over Jen as if Mary is not understanding what Jen is saying to her. And Mary turns to Whitney and says, I don't need you to explain anything. I'm talking to, trying to talk to Jen. And then they start getting into it about Whitney interrupting her. And in a confessional, Jen is like, I'm really confused about why Mary is getting into it with Whitney. And it's kind of like spin the bottle and whoever it lands on, that's who Mary's upset with. Now I want to give Mary... 15% on this in terms of this. I'm giving Whitney 85, but I'm going to give Mary 15 because <laughs> had Whitney not interrupted and just let Jen speak, I don't think this would have happened. I think 
probably Mary would have found another way to come at Whitney, but I think had Whitney just not said anything, she wouldn't have given Mary the catalyst to go off on her. Because really, it wasn't something that Whitney needed to chime in on. However, the reaction... And then what we find out later with the text messages was like several bridges too far. So we'll, I'm just going to give her the 15 and we'll move on. So um, Whitney accuses Mary of speaking to her like a child. And Mary says, I'm trying to talk to you for understanding. <laughs> and if you think that I'm speaking to you like a child, then that's on you. So Whitney again tries to explain that what Jen was trying to say and she was trying to, how Jen was trying to create a beautiful moment by standing in solidarity with Mary. And Mary again has to tell her, I don't need you to explain that to me. I want Jen to. So Whitney tries to tell her to take a step back. And then she says, like, I'm not a fucking child. And Mary says, you're too insecure. Grow the heck up. <laughs> so Whitney says, you called me a little girl. And Mary says, you are a little girl. That's a compliment. <laughs> so Whitney and Meredith try to tell her that, in fact, no, it is not a compliment. It's actually pretty diminutive. And Mary says, well, then you don't know me. And that's why you didn't call me back. <laughs> so Whitney starts screaming about how she, I was doing carpool. How unsafe would it be for me to have other people's kids in the car while I'm on FaceTime? And Mary says, bring your voice down. Don't yell at me. You can go, little girl. Your car's out front. You can leave. <laughs> Everybody's trying to settle things down. Whitney starts talking about how this took a bizarre turn. And she tells Mary, I've had your back more than anybody in this group. And I love you. And then Mary says, well, then act like it. Well, in a confessional, Mary says that Whitney never answers her phone when she calls. That This is like a pattern of behavior. And she feels like Whitney thinks that she's too good for her, too busy for her. And then she calls Whitney a bobblehead. You know, it's like, why, why did we have to do that? Why did we have to do that? So Meredith takes Whitney aside to calm her down. Whitney starts to cleanse her aura <laughs> with tears in her eyes and talks about how Mary's really uneven, which I think is a very kind word for that. And Whitney says that she tried to call Mary two hours later that Mary didn't answer and that she got a bunch of rage texts from Mary. So in a confessional, Whitney gives us some examples of the rage texts that she got from Mary Including, but not limited to, um, one, you think you're better than me? You're not. I can tell you I'm better than you. Two, if you have something to say, it's better that you say it to my face. Three, you deserve everything that Jen did to you. Four, I'm thankful I'm older than you. And I also know that I look younger than you. I don't need all those fake injections in my face to look young. And then really the last and worst one. I don't need tummy tucks and facelifts and eyebrow lifts and breast implants. Everything about you is fake. I've never had any plastic surgery. Never. I don't need it like you do. Ooh. <laughs> Bitch. Bitch. <laughs> like, damn. Hit the brr, brr, chopper. <laughs> we got Ratata Mary. <laughs> and it was not good. So then Whitney tells Meredith that so much has happened in the year before that she was the only person who stood up for Mary. She's basically been running Mary's PR team single-handedly by protecting her from all the stuff that has been said about her online. She went to her church with her dad. She even donated to, to Mary's church. And she says, I just don't understand why Mary would even invite me to this lunch if she didn't like me. So then Wendy says, excuse me, Whitney says that she has 
um, had people who have basically been mean to her because of her friendship and support of Mary. And then Meredith uses this opportunity to bring up the conversation she had at that Fresh Wolf event with Cameron. So Whitney says, you know, Meredith asks, like, do you know this guy? And Whitney's like, I don't know him personally, but I do know the name. And I know that he has a lot to say. (laughs) So then Meredith says that she was just totally shocked by this conversation and how direct Cameron was being and how he kept warning her and asked Whitney, like, do you know what he was talking about? So Whitney says... I'm actually close to one of Mary's cousins and she, excuse me, that, that guy, the cousin said to her when Whitney and, and Mary started getting close that like he took her aside and said that you need to be careful and to never, ever make Mary mad. So Meredith asks, do you think that Mary's cousins are afraid of her too? And Whitney says, well, yeah, because they look at her like a god. And then Whitney goes on to say, it's not really a secret how she runs this church. Like, if you look at the walls, there are pictures of Mary's grandmother up there with Jesus. And that when they are speaking in tongues, they're speaking to Mary because it's like talking to God. And they basically refer or revere Mary as a god. And she says that... Mary basically feels like she can speak to and talk to Whitney however she wants because Mary or Whitney knows that, excuse me, that Mary knows that Whitney knows that Mary is considered like a God. So she feels like Mary thinks that she, Whitney, defers to her as a God-like person. So Whitney's able to cleanse her aura enough to come back to the table. Mary's still upset. All the ladies are like surrounding her and like trying to get her to calm down. It's not happening. So Heather asks Mary, like, what do you need from Whitney to prove that you guys are friends? And Mary says, Whitney does not show up to my friendship. I'm not secure in that. So then Meredith tries to navigate some sort of peace between Whitney and Mary. But Mary gives her a stank face and tells Meredith that she wasn't even trying to hear her side. And Meredith's like, no, I was trying to do that. (laughs) And I was trying to calm you down, but you weren't listening to me and you weren't trying to hear me. So then I went to Whitney to try to calm her down. Mary immediately disarms and was like, I'm so sorry. You did try to help me. I'm here for you. She hugs Meredith and in a confessional and Lisa's like, when the hell did Meredith become the Mary whisperer? Like what is going on? (laughs) So everybody like gets settled in their seats and Heather whispers to Whitney, like, Hey, uh, we've been trying to talk to Mary. She's not getting it. So honestly, I think it's just best that we just finish and get the hell out of here. (laughs) So (laughs) Mary starts talking about how, Nobody yells at her. She's still mad at Whitney. My son doesn't yell at me. He doesn't raise his voice. My husband doesn't raise his voice. And that's because I don't raise my voice at them. And Whitney just looks at her and says, Mary, do you care about me or not? And Mary says, I don't really think we're friends. So in a confessional, Whitney says that she's actually really crushed by the fact that Mary would say that. And that maybe Mary just wanted a minion, but she's not going to be her soldier. So at the table, Whitney says, all right, the gloves are off then, Mary. (laughs) This was 
a uh, rivalry that I did not expect. Clearly nobody else expected it. (laughs) It's such a strange combination of people beefing with each other. I hate to say that I'm looking forward to seeing how this uh, unravels. No, I don't. I'm looking forward to seeing how this unravels. Anyway, let's move on. (laughs) So finally, we get to three days later. A day that will live in infamy, infinite, infamy, infamy, Kara, infamy. Okay, March thirtieth, two thousand twenty-one. Heather's trying to get ready for the trip. Meredith calls her and says that she um, happened to go to a memorial for her father. Something that seems like she would have known about prior to planning this trip. But anyway, she's not going to be on the van and she's just going to have Heather lead up things until they get to Vail and she'll meet them at the house. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Interesting. So, Jen is in her closet getting ready with her assistant Marillo, a.k.a. the getaway driver, and um, Sharif comes in to talk about all the clothes that she's packing, and do you think you really need all that? You know, it's only going to be two days, and it's like, well, (laughs) Sharif turns out she wouldn't need any of those at all. So you're right. You're right. You should have told her, don't even pack, baby girl, because you're going right on back. Clankety clank. (laughs) So then Heather arrives at the Beauty Lab and Laser parking lot, she decides to start getting things packed for the trip because they have a luggage car that's going to be following them. And then she goes into the sprinter and is like, let me put my purse down because I learned in junior high that that's how you let a bitch know. She didn't say this. That's how you let a bitch know that that's where you're sitting. So she gets comfortable and she decides to FaceTime Mary. <laughs> Mary's in bed in some sort of like a Baroque Marie Antoinette gold brocade bed. She clearly does not want to be on FaceTime. So all we're seeing is just like the top of this uh, headboard, right? So Mary is telling her, she's telling a very poor lie. Clearly she does not want to be uh, stuck in a car with Whitney for however long it's going to take them to get to Vail. So she is like, I can't, uh, uh, I'm sick. Oh, I didn't even get to sleep last night. I had such a headache. So I think I'm just going to go ahead and take a private plane to Vail and I'll see you guys there. Bye. <laughs> so then Jen arrives in those infamous box braids in what we learn later is her aunt's truck that will forever be known as a getaway vehicle. And I'm just issuing a request to Bravo now. Anybody who's heading up any future Bravo cons, I think it's very important to utilize the space, take over the Javits Center, and I want both 
Jen's aunt's truck and the Sprinter at BravoCon 2020, whatever, whenever it's next. Um, guys, it's like, what an infinite, like you could, you could have people get in the Sprinter and we could recreate those moments. It's going to be more infamous than like Bonnie and Clyde's shot up truck. I'll tell you that right now. So everybody, let's take a deep breath now. (sighs) A moment. Okay. Right. So the ladies are getting settled into the Sprinter. Jen's there and her phone starts ringing as the production team setting up the GoPros and, and you know, all the things that they're going to need the mics for the trip. So coach Shaw calls, or we don't know who calls. I think she said that coach Shaw called, but Jen gets an answer. She gets a phone call, right? So clearly whoever is on the end of this line is asking Jen, where are you? Have you left yet? She's like, no, we're still at, we're still in Salt Lake. We're still in the parking lot of beauty lab. Couple seconds. And then Jen's eyes dart toward the camera. One of the cameras that's being set up. And, uh, she turns to Whitney, turns her back to Whitney and says, Hey, like, can you turn my mic off? So then Whitney's like fumbling behind on her back. And she turns to Whitney again, says, did you turn it off? Like confirming Whitney says, yes. So she gets out of the car. And I immediately, if not sooner, need to know who was this cameraman. Get that person a raise. They need 10% on the foresight of being like, oh, she just took her camera or she just took her mic off. We're going to follow her. We're just going to put that camera right in her face as she's on this phone. And just, ooh, ooh. (laughs) Just seeing Jen And I wonder if we're ever going to see, like, is there going to be a Bravo Insider clip? Like, was Jen just standing there, not saying a word as this cameraman shot her? Did she say anything? Like, what was said, if anything? I just want, like, that raw, uncut footage of that camera on Jen's face with this call. Because she had to say something, right? What did she say? Oh, and I also like shout out to Bravo for like not just repeating the same scene that we saw in the season premiere. Like this was a, a, a Snyder cut version. We saw things that we did not see. And I really appreciate that. Like I love that this was just not just like that moment over again that we got to see the whole thing. Oh, they, they kept things from us. And I, oh, I got chills. So Heather had previously gone back into beauty lab to like grab some stuff and perfect timing. She walks out right as Jen gets off the phone. So Heather looks at her and she could tell something's not right. I was like, what's going on? And Heather, excuse me, Jen tells Heather that she just got off the phone. She got a phone call that Sharif is in the hospital with internal, internal bleeding. So she needs to leave. And then she starts adding more to the story, adding those details that we all have been told that once you start uh, putting in those small details of a story, you should know that that's a lie because she starts talking about how uh, Sharif had a checkup and they found internal bleeding and now she doesn't know what's going on. Heather asked Jen, do you think we should stay and wait for you to like figure out what's going on And, and like gauge the severity of the situation? But Jen's like, no, like, I think you guys should just go and I'll figure out what's going on. And if he's okay, maybe I can catch a flight or something. 
Heather gives her a hug and you could tell that she's like confused, but she's also trying to support her. Like this wasn't, and I, I wish, I don't know if Heather's answered this, but based on Heather's reaction, it wasn't like, like she was sympathetic to, to, to Jen, no doubt about that. But it was also like, you could tell that she kind of didn't believe, like she knew that something was off off and what she was being told. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like projecting that onto Heather, but it felt like, and, and really all the women, once they find out, it was like their reaction was like, Oh my God, are you okay? But it was also like, what's happening here? Like they just all seemed very confused in a way that if somebody had told me that they had to go to the hospital, I'd be like concerned. <laughs> and they were, but it, there was also just like, you could tell that they all felt like, wait, like, what's going on? Like, what? <laughs> so Heather asks Jen, like, oh, are you going to tell the other ladies what's going on? Or are you just going to leave? So Jen gets back in the car and you could tell, like, she's telling the story and she says, um, what did she say? Like, you know, I just got a call from the hospital that Sharif is in there and they're like, okay, if you need anything, just let us know. But like, also what's going on? Are you okay? Is he okay? Like what's happening? Um, so the rest of the ladies help like take Jen, help Jen take her stuff out of the car back into the truck. And Heather's like, listen, if you want us to turn the bus around, I can do that. No problem. She walks her to the truck, gives Jen a hug. Jen gets in the car. And I don't know if y'all noticed that, but you could see that she moved her head so that the cameras weren't facing her. So you could all just see the back of her thick ass box braids. And that was the end. That was like the last moments of a free Jen Shaw. In a way. Ooh, I have chills. Okay. <laughs> okay. So let's finish. Okay. So I'm getting excited. I'm getting too excited. Okay. Okay, so Heather gets back in the van. Jenny makes a joke about how, like, oh, like, oh, maybe we should cancel the trip, blah, blah, blah. So the ladies try to figure out, should they stay? Should they wait for Jen to figure out what's going on with Coach Shaw? See if he has to go to surgery or what? Or, like, what are the other options to get Jen there since she very clearly wanted to go? So a producer comes in and they're like, no, like, for real, are you guys thinking about canceling this trip? Are you thinking about not going? And they're kind of like, yeah, kind of. But Jenny's like, oh, you know, all we're going to be doing is sitting around and waiting. So why don't we just like go and keep in touch? So Jen, um, the, you know, they're trying to figure out like what's going on. At one point, Whitney says, I got in touch with Justin and Justin's going to keep Tads on Coach Shaw and Jen and see what's going on with them. And he'll keep me updated. Um, and they're like, well, do you think that Jen could get a ride there? And they're like, yeah, she's got like 80,000 people in the Shaw squad. One of these people are at her beck and call at all times of the day to, they can drive her. No problem. So then we get a Chiron that says 12 minutes after Jeff, Jen left and the ladies are still sitting in the van and they're talking about like what to do. Thank God for those GoPros <laughs> where you can see from inside of the van, the agents are descending on the parking lot. Oh, <laughs> but the women don't
don't see them at first because they're coming from behind, not from uh, in front. So then you see just like a short clip of the driver, the guy who's going to be driving them to Vail. He is standing outside the doors of the van. And you can tell he notices something because he like kind of cranes his neck and is like, what the hell is going on? So then we get more footage from inside the van and there's like one, two, four, five agents walking up to this van like it's the fucking walking dead. They're all in different agency vests and uniforms. All the girlies showed up to the party, girl, in their bulletproof vests. And guns, NYPD, Homeland Security, SLCPD, FBI. We hear a producer say, guys, there are police and they have handcuffs out. <laughs> so one of the agents says, we're looking for Jen Shaw. And the producer says, she just left. So the girls are still inside talking about how, oh, you know, if, the, if this were us, our husbands would say, just go on the trip. Don't worry about it. Like, you know, they're kind of like hyping themselves up and being like talking themselves out of staying for the sake of Jen, right? Um, and the van opens up, the door opens up and Heather is the first one who notices an officer. The officer tells, tells the ladies like, Oh, how are you doing? They're like, Oh, we're fine. <laughs> so Jenny turns to Heather and is like, the police are here. Are they here for you, girl? Like totally joking. And the authorities start asking what Jen, what vehicle Jen was in when she was left. And then he's like, wow, there's like SWAT team and stuff outside. Like, what the heck? So Whitney turns to Heather and is like, is this a prank? And Lisa's like, no, what's going on? So Jenny overhears one of the agents say Jen. So she tells him, they just said Jen's name. <laughs> and Lisa's like, what the fuck is going on? So Heather immediately gets out of her seat. She goes outside. All the, There's like seven or eight agents just like pulled up, posted up outside of this van. So she asks them what's going on. And the agent's like, oh, we just have to talk to Jen and make sure she's okay. <laughs> like, like just this friendly neighborhood check-in from your local FBI. So um, they're not telling her anything. Lisa turns to Whitney and says, this is not good. So then we see a producer telling the agent, as far as we know, her husband's in the hospital. And the agent's like, okay, that's no problem. Is Jen okay? But Whitney keeps asking if Jen's playing a prank on them. And then somebody asks, what does HSI stand for? And they're like, Homeland Security. <laughs> so Heather tells them what went down, which is that Jen, she tells the agents what went down. Jen got a call saying that her husband was in the hospital. And inside Lisa's like, something's weird. And at that point, Whitney's putting the pieces together and she goes, oh my God, she asked me to turn off her mic. <laughs> Lisa says, this is not about Sharif is it <laughs> so then our producer asks the policeman it, like is there something we should be concerned about and they're like no we just want to make sure that she's okay so heather is still outside the agents are walking away she's mumbling about the popo <laughs> they're not telling her anything and they're trying to figure out where jen's in and lisa's like i'm gonna puke so the episode ends with a bunch of authorities getting in a, like an incognito white minivan and Heather gets back in the van and says, I don't think this is a joke. So Lisa's like, I'm going to call Stuart and find out. And Heather says, well, do you think I should call Jen? And Lisa's like, um, I don't think you should. <laughs> 
the episode ultimately ends with Heather saying, what if she's on the run? And then we just get a close up on the van and it says to be continued. And from what we're we hearing, next episode is going to be even better than this one. And I cannot wait. We're so blessed <laughs> to be here and to witness what we witnessed. I, uh, we did it, Joe. We did it. Congratulations to all of us. Thank you to the Homeland Security, the FBI, the Salt Lake Police Department, the New York Police Department. Um, <laughs> y'all really delivered. Um, shout out to the Sprinter Van. Shout out to Beauty Lab and Laser. Shout out to Jen Zant's truck. And shout out to me. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you.